Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. 2 Timothy chapter 1, find verse 3. We're just going to read four verses. That would mean we're reading from verse 3 to verse 7. You ready? Okay, we'll wait then if you're not ready just yet. How about now? Are you ready now? All right, let's go. Let's go. Here we go. I thank God whom I serve. Uh, New King James. No, I'm going to do the uh, NIV. So sorry. New International Version. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day. How often? Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flames. Would you say that? Fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Father, thank you. Move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. We do have notes for you, I do believe. And um, you can fill those in as we move along. Pastor Karen preached a powerful word this morning and um, brought to light one of the mothers in Scripture that are not often preached about. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard. I have. I've never heard. I've never heard. What's her name? Hapsaput. If you're Egyptian and we didn't say that quite right, we're so sorry. If you speak ancient Egyptian and can say that name correctly. But we have heard of Jacobed. Many of us have. The birth mother of, of Moses. And, um, but we haven't heard much about Hapsabet, the adoptive birth mother, powerful. How many of you ever heard of Hannah? I named my daughter after Hannah in the scriptures. She was barren. She prayed. She cried out to God. She was accused of being drunk by her pastor, but she was really just broken. God answered her prayer and gave her a son, one of the finest, strongest, greatest Old Testament prophets. What was his name? Samuel. And of course, Mary, and we've preached messages on all of those, and on this text also, these two great mothers in the Bible, Louis, Louise, is that how you say that? Lois. Just checking to make sure you guys got it right. Lois and Eunice. And uh, it's so powerful how their lives were used to bring faith to this young man, Timothy. So let's look at this text tonight. Paul's aware uh, of his impending death as a prisoner in Rome. To give you context, he's going to die. He knows it. And he's writing to Timothy, and he describes him as a beloved son. Wow, a beloved son. It's not actually his son, but he writes to him as a beloved son. Not my, uh, not, not, not an associate, not, not, um, not a friend, a, a son, not a brother. Doesn't even talk to him as a brother. He calls him 
my beloved son. That's, that's different. He's probably saved. Hear this, Timothy. Young man is probably saved in Acts 14 in Lystra during Paul's journey there. We read about him in Acts 16. We find out that his father was a Greek and his mother was a Jew. And uh, he worked with Paul and with Silas. 1 Timothy 1.12, my true son in the faith, he says there. And Paul prays for him day and night. He has this unashamed expression of love for Timothy. You know, I'm very grateful that I, growing up in my house, my mother was very affectionate, but my father was also very affectionate. And even to this day, when I see him, and, and uh, I long to see him, I haven't seen him in years, COVID, different challenges, he's in his 80s. When we see each other, we hug each other, hold each other, and, and, and we kiss. It, 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 you know, kiss on the cheek, and just a holy kiss. It's a holy thing. Do you know that, that there are some frown upon that? Paul's very, very affectionate in the way that he writes here. He prays for Timothy night and day, day and night. He longs to see him that he might be filled with joy. Have you ever prayed for somebody and then, you know, you're praying, you're contending, maybe they're sick, maybe they're going through a trial. You pray for them and you really, really pray. Then the next moment you see them. You know, maybe a week later they come out the other side or you, you've prayed for your brother who's been lost or your sister or who's been separated or maybe a family member. Maybe you pray for a year. I mean, you really pray. I, I, I have many instances of this, but one that comes to mind as I stand here is we prayed for the 425th as they deployed a number of years ago. And we prayed nearly every single morning prayer we had some divine encounters over Skype, which I've shared about with you as a colonel who was a part of our church that went off there, called me in the middle of the night, and God had just given me a strategy out of Scripture. And he calls me, and I happen to be in front of my Skype, my computer, tending my fire all those years ago. And he was very gruff, very direct, and he said, I need a word from the Lord, you know, and I gave him this word. He says, amen, and basically hung up on me. Later... When he came back, we first saw him, we wept and cried. And I, we went to, when they returned, there, these men that have just come back. And any, any of you ever been to, a, um, you know, they, they deploy, but when they come back, what's it called? What's it called when they return? Anybody in the military? You came home. Okay, great. So I knew that was a military term. They came home. So there they are. And I remember seeing this lady in stilettos, full sprint across the gym floor. You ever seen somebody run in stilettos? It's quite a thing. When she got to her, got to her man, she just fully grabbed, jumped on him, and people weeping and crying, and we were weeping and crying because we had prayed. That's the picture here. He's we, he, he cries, he weeps, he prays for Timothy day and night so that he longs to see that he might be filled with joy. You know, there is nothing quite like having family in God. There is nothing quite like having brothers and sisters in the Lord. My wife and I were rejoicing as we drove home today and we were thinking and talking about some of you. And it's overwhelming to see people come into this place, fractured perhaps or hurting, you know, we all come in at different levels, in different places, in different seasons in our life. 
But it's amazing that if, they, if you stick around, if you stay around, if you get rooted, if you get grounded, your life will be transformed. And we were talking about, did you see their face today? Just radiant and filled with joy. And we rejoiced at the maturity we see. That's the picture of what Paul's saying. He's like, man, I can't wait to see you, you man of God. I remember when you were like a little worm back in Lystra in Acts 16, 14. Look at you now. And reading into the text a little bit. And he, Paul reminds Timothy of his heritage of faith. Now, I love this. I love it because his mother and his grandmother had faith, but his father did not. Now, that's not ideal. We would hope that fathers would have faith, and we pray that they do, and we, we labor and work with this power that works so mightily in us to reach fathers, to reach mothers, to reach sons, to reach daughters. But the truth is many will grow up in a home where there's faith on the father's side and not on the mother's or faith on the mother's side and not on the father's. And, and it's a fascinating thing that this Timothy has the faith has been passed down to him, has been imparted to him. And so I've called this or entitled this imparting to the next generation, imparting faith into the next generation, in fact. It is a powerful section of Scripture. And Paul encourages Timothy to stir up the gift that was in him. He reminds him to stir up. That's interesting. To stir up. It's a picture of a fire poker inside a fire where you get the coals together. I don't, I don't know if you ever had to... I, I, years ago, I was not only married to Karen, I was married to my wood-burning stove because that's how we heated we heated with wood-burning stoves, and I loved it, and I, and I would love to, after, I, after we got rid of it and had regular heat, I miss my wood-burning stove sometimes. I don't miss putting up eight cords of wood and, uh, and, and all the mess that it makes, but there's something about wood heat. It's very different than any other kind of heat, and, uh, and there's something about man and his fire, and all the men said, amen. And so I, <laughs> that was intense right there. I woo, felt the Holy Ghost. So I would tend to that thing. I would get up and I'd get up in the middle of the night. I'd tend to it, maybe throw another log on, push the coals together, you know. I remember Pastor Robert came. I left him a detailed video, video series on how to start and maintain a great fire. They froze to death. I don't know how that is, but he did. They froze in my house. You push the coals together. That's the picture. Stir up your faith. He tells him to stir up your faith. It's interesting that he says, I'm not going to stir your faith. He's telling you stir up your faith. He doesn't say God stirs up your faith. He says, you stir up your faith. It reminds me of the psalmist. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. You know, it's a choice that you make to stir your faith or stay dead. It's a choice that you make to stir your faith and, and to move forward in God. Faith is action on God's word. He says, stir up your faith. The gift that's with, stir up the gift that's within him, pardon me. But it is also an application of your faith. Stir up the gift with it, that's within you, that was given you through the laying on of hands. You know, some gifts you can't just get by sitting there tonight. And Paul reminds him of that. All right, how to bring faith to the next generation. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 11 he says, for I long to see you. This is Paul, Apostle Paul, writing the church in Rome. says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. 
So I, I, I long to see you so I can give you a spiritual gift. Impart to you a spiritual gift. There's literally a gift that he wants to give them from God. And he can't wait to do it. Interesting. Impartation. To the mothers and grandmothers, to the fathers and grandfathers, each and every one of us, truly, no matter what age you are, you can be used to bring impartation to someone else. Well, if you're a baby, you might be imparting some other things. So there would be age brackets there of understanding and such. But how to bring faith to the next generation? Very good. Be a person of faith yourself. You be a How are you going to impart something? Pastor Karen said it. If you don't have it, you can't give it. You can't give what you don't have. How do you impart faith if you're not living by faith? He said, well, I don't know. Well, whatever you have, that's what you're giving. Let's have a praise break because I'm not feeling the love right now. Amen, Pastor Dan. See, some of you are imparting doubt. Some of you are imparting rebellion. Some of you are imparting a spirit of the limp noodle. Some of you are actually defiling. That's a picture of impartation for the demonic. You're defiling people. Some of you, your anger. No one in the sanctuary tonight, of course. Unless, of course, you're being convicted right now. No, we're, we should be people of faith, parents of faith. We should, our kids should have faith, but they learn that from you. Some parents attempt to give their children training, but they don't do it themselves. Pastor Karen said it in, the first serv- in our morning services. You can teach them all you want. You know the greatest way. They will do, they will do what you do. You can tell them. You can force them to... Re- I've, I've known many sad stories where parents were extremely strong, made their kids read the Word. Oh, they, they didn't read it so much, but they made them read it. And they had forced times of Bible reading. Now, God will work that for good. And I think there needs to be discipline, but it needs to be modeled also. Come on, someone say that's right. Faith is a dynamic trust in Jesus. Pray reading the word you'll notice here where he talks about his conscience faith is a conscience it's more than just going to church it's it's being faithful at church but faithful at home do you know many pastors kids now th- this is not the this is not the case here and i'm not just like saying that by faith it is not the case here with my staff, and it's not the case in my home. My 19-year-old son is anointed on the front row, helping to lead the youth. Do you think that's an accident? It's not an accident. Did I make him do it? I didn't make him do it. Listen, when you get as big as him, he can pretty much do whatever he wants to. Almost. I'm not making my kids serve God. Hannah's out of the house. She could rebel if she wanted to. Of course, I'd be on a plane within about... <laughs> you, you understand the point is, the, the point is you, you, you train your children, you, you teach your children, but if you're, if you're like a worshiper, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and then you're at home and you're a devil. Now, I'm going to tell you what you're going to produce. You're going to produce kids that hate God, hate church, 
And, and by the way, and if you come here and you talk stink about me my, and my funny colored jacket, you know what talking stink is? Talking not nice. You say not nice things about leaders. You're on the way, I'm like, I can't believe it. God, he went long. The clock went red and then it went out. I know there's a clock on the back. I was watching, he just prayed forever. I never really even learned any music so loud. Toby had ripped jeans on, oh my God. You see those strings hanging? Man, how disrespectful. Oh, zip it. So if you're undermining and not supporting with your mouth, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything, but you, 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 you be very careful how you talk in front of your children. Something apparently with Timothy, he, he, he got saved, he got born again. The faith of his grandmother and his mother is in him. He didn't become an, an uncircumcised Philistine, a pagan. In actual fact, he really prayed a, quite a sacrifice later on. For those of you who know scripture, faith is right doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed to yourselves and to your doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. Now he's writing to Timothy, talking about saving, your, saving himself. Do you think he's born again? Well, of course, he's getting a letter from the Apostle Paul. Yes. But he's telling him, you better watch your doctrine. I heard somebody say, you know, I don't like doctrine. You better, you better learn truth. You have to learn truth. We have all kinds of classes. Listen, I, I want to worship and throw oil and hallelujah, pray in the spirit and lay hands on folks and have prayer and all that. But you, you have to be rooted and grounded in your word. You can't, well, as long as you believe that's stupid. Faith is right doctrine. Listen to this, 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit expressly says in latter times some will depart the faith. Okay, depart. Everybody say depart. Okay, so if I'm in Wasilla and I'm going to depart and go to Anchorage, I leave. There comes a moment where I left Wasilla. So have I left Wasilla if I'm driving away and I cross over the line and I'm on, now I'm in Chugiak? Am I in Wasilla? No. So if you depart the faith, literally he's saying... That you can lose your faith. You can abort your faith, your precious faith. That would mean you're not, that would mean you're not saved anymore. Now, I, I, I've, I've preached it at other times. You say, well, I don't believe that. Truth is, most of you, truth is many, truth is some. Some of you have no idea what you believe. But you've come to church out of a habit and a culture, and I'm glad you have, but don't stay there. Learn right doctrine, because it'll save you. In the end, there's times when you can't feel the presence, you're not surrounded by anybody, and you just you have to make the right choice based on what is right. If you don't know what truth is, we don't believe in an ambiguous blend of maybe, says the Moffat version. We believe in truth. We believe in absolute truth. The Bible is not a, is a you know, a, it's not a bunch of suggestions. There's truth. And uh, as soon as you say that, I mean, I, I have all these talks with people. I've witnessed to people in the sauna. I've witnessed to people in the sauna a lot and over the years. And 
You know, this guy starts telling, well, you know, I believe, oh, I, I think I'll choose the gas station one that happened. I was getting propane for my, my camper a couple summers ago. Getting propane, and I start witnessing to the guy. He says, yeah, no, I believe in Elysium. I'm like, you believe in what? Elysium, yeah, I saw this thing on this movie. I think it was Gladiator, this Elysium thing. Yeah, and then I started, like, looking into that, and like, yeah, that's what I believe, yeah. I'm like, well, why do you believe it? Just because I want to? Because I can believe that? I think, yeah, but how do you know if that's true or not? Because I said it is. <laughs> Listen, you can sing songs from, you know, from the eight, 90s. I believe I can. You cannot fly. <laughs> you can't fly. You want to try to exercise that faith off the top of the roof here? You're going to, you'll be believing in gravity. You get right doctrine. Come on, somebody say rock doctrine. Right doctrine. First Timothy 6.23. Oh, Timothy. Everybody say, oh, Timothy. Oh, Timothy. Guard what was committed to your trust by avoiding profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Man, I love that. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. It's interesting that stray doesn't mean departed. When you look at these two things, you can stray from the faith. You may have not lost it altogether, but you're, all, you're on the way out of town. You've strayed from Wasilla, and you're on... Do you, you understand what he's saying? So is it important to know the word? It is absolutely, fundamentally crucial for you finishing the race. And people I've, I've seen... I've been here almost 16 years. I've been pastoring for over 20 I've seen over there, and before that I wasn't a pastor and I saw it. I've seen people come in, weep, cry, fall out, have oil poured over their head, get baptized, go to life groups, and then soon they're not going to life groups. And soon they're like, I don't have time for that. And then soon they're not reading their word. And then soon they just catch a, you know, a service every other week. Or, you know, then they stop tithing. And before you know it, somebody that was on fire, life being transformed, they end up years later... Years later, losing their marriages, losing their kids, and end up in jail. Now, I'm just going to tell you, they departed Wasilla. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank God for mercy. Is there anybody grateful for mercy? He said, God of the second chance, pastor. No, he's not. He's the God of like gazillion chances. You know when the chances are over? When you stop asking for them and you stop thinking about them, and then actually you've been turned over to being reprobate. Then there's no more chances for you. And there is a place of a reprobate mind. You keep pushing the limits. You keep saying no. You keep doing the thing. Finally, he's like, okay. He gives you over. Romans 1 talks about that. Wow. So uh, avoid profane, idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. All the academic world, knowledge has become a God. Faith is formed by the Holy Spirit. Look at four. Faith is formed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in us day to day, day in, day out, week in, week out. Rely on Him. He's leading you. He's guiding you. But the Word is so important, it's like the tracks for the train or the banks to the river. And faith is common assurance of what we cannot see. Faith is acting on God's Word. Now, how are you going to have a biblical faith if you don't know the Word? Faith is expressed by sacrifice. 
Oh, man. Here's an act of worship. <laughs> Acts 16, 3. Timothy's an adult. Now, I, I don't understand. I, I, I probably need to study this because it's been a little bit of a mystery for me, and I haven't quite figured it out. But he has, he has uh, Timothy as a man gets circumcised. He was uncircumcised because his father was a Greek. And so that didn't happen. But, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that would be a question then when he'd be, he was going to be ministering to Jews. He didn't want it to be a stumbling block. I mean, it's an unusual passage of Scripture. I'd be like, you know, I'm called to serve God, but, you know, not like that. Amen? <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Teach your children the Scripture. But it's a picture of sacrifice, understand. It's sacrifice. If you don't teach your kids and you, you're not taught to understand that living for God is oftentimes a sacrifice. There's just things that you have to do that you do it because it's right. You do it because it's a commitment. I go to church on Sunday. I go to church on Sunday when I'm not here and I'm not preaching anywhere. We go to church very, very rarely Okay, never. I think I can say never. I was at Alaska on a Sunday just last winter. So there we are. It's Sunday. We're going to go skiing. We had church first. We worshiped. We preached a little bit. I was with Dr. Gannon. He shared a word. We prayed. Then we went skiing. We had, oh, we didn't take an offering. Oh, no. Yeah, we did. We gave, we gave actually in this service electronically. Glory to God. We had our electronic usher help us out. You go to church whether you feel like it or not. I'm not feeling the love here. Well, I, I just don't believe like that. Well, you know what? You, you might be right, but you might be wrong. I'll just say that what I modeled is what I see in Scripture. And what I decided was I'm never going back to the hell hole that he dragged me out of. And I'm going to bring and teach my children what it is. And so anytime the doors are open, I'm coming. That's how we've lived for years, long before we were pastors. And that's what I saw in the lives of champions. I'm talking champions. Business leaders, people that are strong in character with healthy marriages for generations. I want that. I don't, I don't want some slippery, slimy grace where maybe you're married 20 years from now. No. I'm, I'm going to be married until Jesus comes or we die to go to see him, whatever the case is. I plan on it. We, we work at it. And going to church is an aspect of that. It's, it, there are times where there's sacrifice. He said, well, I don't believe that. Okay. Tell me, how many generations of victory do you have in your family? Just asking. Teach your children the scriptures. Come on, Pastor Kimmy said it. Teach your children the scriptures, 2 Timothy 3.14. I, I, I want to go back to the sacrifice thing again. They, they should see you straining to do something for God, believe in God, stretching. They should see that. Why? Because it does something. To, it does something to your children. It does something for you. And it does something for the house of God. It does something for a vision. If a vision is going to be fulfilled, he's got to find people that will sacrifice everything they have to do. And he found that here. I said he's found that here. You know what it takes to fulfill vision for, for God? Everything you have. You have to be willing to give everything you have to see it come to pass. 
Teach your children the scripture, 2 Timothy 3.14. Turn there. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. Verse 15, 2 Timothy 3.15, that from childhood you've known the scriptures. Hold the phone. Who do you think taught Timothy the holy scriptures from childhood? Mom! It wasn't the Greek pagan father. It was the mother and the grandmother. Now praise God for fathers that aren't pagans and all the, the born-again, spirit-filled, Bible-teaching fathers say hallelujah. But his faith was put in him by his mother and by his grandmother. That means they spent time, you know, around the kitchen table, if you will. I mean, I don't know exactly what that would look like in the first century, but they spent time learning the word holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Learn the word. Learn the word. Learn the word. Meditate on it, says God to Joshua. Day and night, that you'd be strong and courageous. Then your way will be prospered. Learn the Word. Learn the Word. How? At home, read it, study it. There's so many resources. We have a, a generation that has more resources than has ever, ever had, ever, in any, any time in history. And we have more people that are biblically illiterate. Gosh, Pastor, you seems kind of intense. It's because I want you to finish. I want you to impart to the next generation. I want you to live the blessed life and pass it on. The reason America's so jacked up is because families have been destroyed and apparently the unices of the world didn't pass on faith. Something went wrong. We're here to correct that. Can you say amen? amen. Honor your parents so your children will honor you. You know, uh, Ivan Tate said, yeah, I teach my kids to give me money. I've been teaching them to give me money for a long time. And he was saying, yeah, my daughter just sent me $5,000. She got blessed on some deal. I'm like, man, I, I better pick up on that. Uh, if you honor your parents, your kids will then honor you. Some of you don't honor your parents at all. honor them. And many times you say, well, you don't know what my parents did to me. No, I don't. And the base level of honoring your parents is to forgive them. Base level. Base level. So, well, I, I don't want to. Well, then you're not forgiven either. How's that? How's that feel? How do you like that? Would you, would you like that? You want to go to hell over the fact of your bitterness over your parents? Let's have a praise break. I'm not feeling the love once again. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. And say, oh, God, help me. Help me. Honor your own parents and your children will honor you. If you allow dishonor in your home, if you allow dishonor in your home, you're cursing your family. I think years ago, Hannah saw a got an impartation from Lilo and Stitch. Which we, having lived in the islands for 14 years, 
Lilo and Stitch was just like, well, we just enjoyed a part of that, you know, the culture and different things. And, and I guess there's this section where, I don't know who's who. Is it Stitch or Lilo? One of the kids says to the mom, I hate you. So Hannah thought she'd try that on for size. I can tell you in the history of Hannah's life, Daniel's life, Daniel, Daniel had never said that, but, but Hannah, was, she was different. All your kids are different. You have to learn how to, learn how to lead them all. They're all different. So Hannah thought well, she'd try that on, receiving an impartation from the television program or the TV movie, Lilo and Stitch, and said, Mom, I hate you. It was the last time she ever said it. Why is that? She got some understanding on her backside. Well, that's not very nice. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? If, if kids don't, and, and this has to be done right, but if kids don't get correction, listen, I know all of you have been corrected your whole life. You know why? You're taking notes. You're sitting here in your right mind, staring at me, right? I can see. You're in college. I can see you've been corrected. Otherwise, you'd be a bunch of, you'd be in prison. <laughs> right? So, so, You, you, were the, you were the kind of family that when Pastor Karen and I were, were courting and then eventually we got married, we thought, that. You know, and then we saw the other kind of kids that just like clear off coffee tables. <laughs> like, God, yeah, no, I don't want that. The point is, if you allow for dishonor in your home, you allow your kids to dishonor dad, dishonor mom, talk back and not obey, you'll have a prison ministry and you'll curse your kids. And I've known family after family after family, and it's usually because they had a very authoritarian, is that right? Authoritarian, very strong, um, overbearing at times, disciplinarian in their home. So they're like, man, I'm not going to do that. Or maybe they got abused. And that's horrible. And it's wrong. But correction's important. You can clean that up later, honey. Amen. <laughs> you guys aren't even laughing. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Okay, the Holy Spirit just left. Lord, I for forgive me. Amen. We have uh, a course called the Parenting Toolbox, and uh, we'll roll that out and open it up and help you. And I've said it before, Pastor Kirsten, I'm almost saying it again. The people that really need that don't come. Why is that? Have I offended you? Let me go this way then. I'll just come a little closer. We have a, a course called the Parenting Toolbox, and there's, there's, you know, if you don't know how to parent, you can be over, but you know, you can be the other way and crush your kid's spirit and then cause them to go to be broken. That's not good either. The other way is, is just laissez-faire, which is a French word for just letting them do whatever they want to do. So we teach these courses, and, I, and, and I've been to them. We, we didn't know. My parents did the best they could. My father was a Marine and a lawyer. How do you think that went? That's pretty intense. 
pain is good. I'm like, oh, this pain is good. Why is pain good? Because when it stops, it's good. Like, oh, okay, okay, Dad. Pain is fear leaving the body, amen. And the other, then the other side, my mother was just super ultra gracious, didn't have too much discipline that way, and ended up, well, that's not exactly true either. My mother was an incredible, incredible aim with a Shoals clog. Do you remember the clogs from the 1970s? Do you remember that? I remember once she was on the phone, and I knew I could get away with some stuff, and she was, she was on the phone, and she's talking on the phone, and she had her foot like this with one of those Shoals, you know the ones, they're wood? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like 1970, whatever. And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. she's like, wah, flipped that thing, went straight across the room, hit me square, and I went down. <laughs> You've got to teach your kids to honor. And again, when we have these classes that are up and coming, and, and you say, well, what, I need a class now. You have a, you, you've raised a little dictator. He's five and he runs your whole house. Yeah, you need you, yeah, you need to you need to be set free. There's a whole better way to live. And people that say to us, gosh, you guys are so lucky. I'm like, lucky requires diligence and training. Very inconvenient. But then both my kids, by the grace of God, are serving God. I've told stories about this kid. I think he was seven, maybe six. Having nightmares and seeing demons. I find out what's going on and I tell the mother. And it was this video that he liked to watch. I said, do not let him watch the video anymore. Get rid of the video. No, I can't. I said, welcome. Because he freaks out. I said, yeah. So what? You know, screaming is lung development. Unless it's screaming in rebellion, then you don't allow that either. There's all kinds. How many of you know what screaming in rebellion is? You tell them, you just go to your room right now. Ah! Oh, you're going to allow that in your house? I'm not feeling the love. I'm just going to push in just a little bit more. You don't have to raise a hellion. You can learn to raise godly kids. Well, how's that happen? It, it happens by impartation, happens by hearing, you know, your bald-headed pastor right now and the calico pastor over here. Wait, well, it's got calico spots. It's beautiful. No, wait. Very handsome. At least you have hair. Amen? Although I do believe hair is overrated. So, obviously your, your children are sitting here looking at me bright-eyed. You know, kids long for instruction and correction. They thrive in the midst of that. When they don't have that, they're not happy. Did you know that? You can see it. See, you've been talking about my family. Well, not on purpose. I have nobody in mind. I just see it a lot. And uh, you don't want to be that way. You honor your father and your mother. Honor your parents and your kids will honor you. Do not allow your kids to dishonor you. Or demon power will bring a death sentence. Did you hear me? So you have to learn how to do that. And uh, some, some books that you can read, uh, Love and Logic. If you're taking notes, love and logic. You say, it's so hard. Get over yourself and apply the principles. Love and logic. Uh, ra raising your kids God's way. Is that what it is? Raising your, growing your kids God's way. And uh, loving your kids on purpose by Danny Silk. Those are three books. 
and there's many others, and we have classes learn. Amen. Pray for them. Oh, my. Pray for them. Pray for your children and the next generation every day. That's what Paul did for his spiritual son, Timothy. Be affectionate with your children. Be affectionate. Keys, please. Be affectionate with your kids. He said, well, I'm not like that. Well, get over it. I had no problem being affectionate with my son and with my daughter until my daughter was no longer a girl. She became a woman. And then it was awkward for me. So my son, or, the son and I are still wrestling and throwing around and uh, felt awkward. I'm just being honest. I felt awkward with Hannah because she's no longer a little girl. Now she's a woman. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? Uh, by the way, this Saturday, help you get through that awkward stage pre-teens. Is that right? I wish they had this when I was coming up. They probably had it in the back, but I missed it. God helped us through it. What time is that, Pastor Kirsten? 9 a.m. Do they have to sign up? All right, you got to register as a QR code. We have a whole stack of these out front. All right. This is powerful. It'll help you raise and help you through the, the, the ch- times of change in pre-teens moving into teens. And uh, that's very important. It's, I, I do not know any other church that does this. I've never seen this. It's so good. It, it's life-changing. Honestly, it's life-changing. That's why we, we don't just do stuff to do stuff. What we do, we try to have life on everything we do. This will help you. So my neighbor doesn't go to our church. Can he come? Yes. Bring anybody you want. But you got to register. you got to be a part of that. It'll help you. All right. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Affectionate. So, you know, my son and I, we're no problem throwing around wrestling and then I, I backed off of wrestling with my daughter as she became a woman and I will never forget what you said you said you are treating Hannah differently I said no I'm not she said oh yes you are and she's feeling rejected I said that's not true and I she says yeah you're wrong so I was getting rebuked I thought well okay the next time we were horsing around I looked I realized I'm not quite horsing around with Hannah and I saw I saw a look on her face thought, ah, mom's right again. Yeah, I went and grabbed her and threw her to the ground. Amen. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, please don't hear that the wrong way. I didn't go in and hurt her. I just, I looked at her as like, ah, it came after her. It's like, ah! It's just a little bit more ginger and careful. But she, you could see the love in her face. Be affectionate with your kids. For fathers that are not affectionate with their daughters in a holy way is like I'm, like I'm talking about. Um, something else Pastor Karen told me that really helped me. She says, if you're not affectionate with your daughter, she's going to get it from somebody else. I thought, oh, I'm healed. Praise God. Get instantly healed. <laughs> like, Hannah, here. <laughs> here, hold on to your daddy. I'm going to give you a hug. Be affectionate. You say, well, my family's not like that. That's okay. Change. And we're not like that. No, that, that touch is important. 
It really is. He said, my family wasn't like, that's okay. The good news is you can change. My father wasn't like that. Change. I never, how many, how many people in counseling have I heard? I never heard my father tell me he loves me. Over and over and over and over and over. I never heard him say, I love you. Hey, Daniel, I love you, son. Give me, give me a kiss, son. Go on. <laughs> it's important. Come on, look at you, look at your wife or your spouse or your kids. You tell them you love them right now. Go ahead, tell them. Look them in their little eyes and tell them, love you, love you. I love you. I love you. And act like it. Be affectionate. Verse 4, recalling your tears. The looks I get in public places. The looks I get in public places when I give affection to my kids. It's because our culture has been defiled. F, encourage them to do what God called them to do. Encourage them to do what God called them to do. Hannah's in the midst of a series of miracles, I believe. What's amazing to us is, well, it's not exactly what I want. How many of you know what you want is not necessarily what God wants? And she told us, here's what's going to happen, Dad. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's all happening exactly like she declared. And you know what we do? We support and we pray and we offer wisdom. As they get older, you, you get to offer wisdom when it's received. You don't try to control your kids if they get older. Good luck with that. We don't believe in luck. That's Chinese. We believe in blessing. We don't try to manipulate people. But then again, I don't endorse something that's not of God either. So Now, my kids are living for God, but if they weren't, they wouldn't receive the full blessing from me. I would still love them. Are you, are you, are you getting anything tonight? Keep in mind, look, at we're moving on. Moving on. Uh, let me give you this scripture. 1 Corinthians 4.14, don't neglect the gift which is given you through prophecy. The body of elders laid their hands on you. You encourage your gifts. My son wanted the bass. I got him one. Support him in his music. Support him. Support my daughter. You support your kids to fulfill their dreams. You say, well, that costs money. No kidding. You support them. You you give. You, you, You honor them. You bless them. You can do it. You tell them you can do it. I would say to Hannah, I said, I said to Hannah, for whatever reason, this is going to touch the ladies, women of the house, this is going to touch you because you wish that your father said this to you. And if you are a father, you can start saying it to your sons and your daughters. Now, I heard it from somebody else years ago, and I decided to use it. And it's just been powerful. I'd say, Hannah, if I took all the little girls and lined them up, all, all the little girls in all the world, and had to just pick one, I'd pick you. And she'd be like, oh, daddy. Because we all need that. We all need to know that we're special. Everyone here is special. Keep in mind, look at G. Keep in mind as a believer, you're the sanctifying presence in your home. Eunice was married to an unbeliever, a man, a Greek. And yet she still impacted her son. You know, if you don't have these principles when they're younger than when they're older, like if you let them choose 
whether they get to go to church when they're three, four, five, six, seven, you can leave them home watching TV. It can be challenging. It's just you gotta stand in the line to check them in. And you decide, well, if you wanna come, you can come. And then, then they're not coming. And then eventually, like, you make them come a little bit. And then before you know it, they're, 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 they're periodically don't wanna go. And then, you know, going to church in my house is not an option because breathing's not an option. We just understood that. And it can be inconvenient when you're tired at times. You don't want to go maybe like on a Sunday night. But it's so important for you to impart into this generation your faith. And if you're married to an unbeliever and they're willing to stay married to you, then you stay married. Welcome to your ministry. He said, well, it wasn't that way. Well, I was born again and I... I just loved him. He was so fine, and I just knew I could win him over. I'm going to just tell you that all the unmarried people, you're born again and love God, don't do missionary dating. does not work too good. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But if you do end up in a situation, and they're willing to live with you, and it's not abusive, you know what I mean. It's not breaking covenant, that kind of thing. Then the Bible says that you should stay married. And who knows that perhaps through your Christ-likeness, and, and it does specifically talk about women and men, but it's for both, that your Christ-likeness can win over, can win over your spouse. We've seen that over and over and over. If you're sour as a lemon, not going to be winning too much. God wants to use us to impact this generation. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.